Grief touches every life and tests every heart. Even when we prepare for grief, it often knocks us to our knees. We are the Time with Giants show. Join us as we connect with giants of the faith who are experiencing the power of God in the midst of chaos. Whether your life is going great or you are in the middle of that chaos, welcome to our show. Emily, it's season two for Time with Giants podcast. I am so pumped. I am thrilled to be recording with you again, Dad. Thank you so much for joining us today for our first episode of season two. For season two, we are taking a look at Giants of the Faith who are serving the Lord here, there, and everywhere. We are spending time with Giants of the Faith who serve the Lord in the marketplace, in our local context, and people who are serving the Lord in the mission field in contexts that look totally different from here. You know, this season is going to be really cool because we have a U.S. senator that will be on our podcast this season. We have a best-selling author that will be on our podcast. And we'll have several people that you've never heard of, but you need to rub shoulders with because they are serving the Lord in ways that will shape your life. For example, today we are spending time with Gary and Carolyn Miller. They are serving with the IMB in Europe as missionaries. They have said yes to the call of God, and they have persevered through great physical trial while they are serving the Lord in Hungary. You know, I'm so excited for you to meet Gary and Carolyn Miller. Here we go. Gary and Carolyn, welcome to our show. Pleasure to be here. It sure is. Come to you from Debrecen, Hungary. Yeah, the city of Debrecen. Mm -hmm. Debrecen. And that, that, which part of Hungary is that in? Uh, m many of our listeners may not even know where Hungary is, so I'm going to give them a chance to look it up on the map. But <laughs> describe it in Hungary to help them out. The city of Debrecen is on the uh, eastern part of the country, right next to Romania. It's right on the Romanian border. So back before World War One, it would have been almost central part of the country. Wow. And so I'm so thankful you're joining us. Would you tell us a little bit about who you are and just kind of what God has done in your life? Would you do that? Wow, that's really a big thing. It's a long story. We're getting old <laughs> enough that it's long. Carolyn and I, people often call us um, like identical opposites um, <laughs> in some ways we've actually been mistaken as brother and sister. Uh, we were both raised in, we were raised in two different states, her Kansas, me Missouri, but in churches that our parents helped start. <laughs> we have such a common background, almost mm -hmm. to say one, you know, the story of one of us is the story of the other. Yeah, I was uh, raised in a family with seven kids. And so my mom and dad were very busy. <laughs> Um, my mom was a musician in the church. He played the piano and the organ and the trombone, everything. And uh, my father was the preaching deacon. Sometimes he would take us out to little churches that had no pastor and he would do the teaching and we would provide the music. Whether we liked it or not at that young age, we were very cute, of course. Uh, <laughs> but um, we just grew up in the church. And I always thought that my mom and dad loved Jesus and belonged to him and so did I 
and I didn't realize for about eight years that it, it's not enough to be a grandchild of the Lord. You have to actually have a relationship with him. And so one day that realization hit me pretty hard. I heard my sister talking out in the hallway to my brothers about one day when the Lord separates out the people. And I realized all of a sudden that I really did not have my own relationship with the Lord. I had some I didn't have big sins because I was only about eight years old, but I had some dark places that I didn't want people to see. I wanted to be the good little girl, but it was more on the outside. You know, that that's an interesting testimony. That's an important testimony because so many people could assume that I'm okay. And, and we grow up good, but everyone needs a savior. We all have those dark places. So Gary, what was your experience? with coming to know Christ as your Savior, since you grew up in such a similar, identical household? Yeah, um, mine was somewhat similar in that um, I went forward at a young age, but since my dad was a deacon, the pastor assumed he talked to me. My dad assumed the pastor talked to me. I was dunked in water, but I never had any idea of what it was about. <laughs> and so... It was somewhere probably about the same age Carolyn was when I realized I didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I, by that time, was going into rebellion, and I refused to follow. In fact, I remember just so clearly one day telling God I was never going to follow him, ever. And the conviction just left me. You know, I, I was one of those people— even though I was just a teenager, I was going to hell. I knew I was going to hell, and I didn't care. Then one day, um, after a just a very terrible fight with my younger brother, my mother kind of had this coming to Jesus meeting with me. I was either going to repent or meet God face to face right then. I mean, she's going to get you, man. The wrath of a mom. I get it. I get that. Big time. Wrath of a mom with five boys. Yeah, I have four <laughs> brothers, so. That's a lot of boy. That's real. That's a lot of fried chicken. <laughs> no kidding. And so my dad began to share with me from the Bible about what it meant to truly follow God. And suddenly the conviction I had experienced before, when I knew I wasn't saved, it came back. And I just cried out to God, you know, Lord, save me. That was it. That's all I prayed that morning. But it changed everything. My dad had once told my mom, said, you know, we had, we had problems with our older children, but I think Gary's going to be the worst. Um, of course, who turns out to be the preacher? It's the worst kids, yeah. you know? <laughs> well, you know, I think, I think that story's so important because we – we sometimes look at these testimonies of somebody that was in jail and they came to know Christ and, and their whole life's changed. And that's, that, those are awesome testimonies. That's what we often spot, spotlight. But, it's, but it, sometimes it tends to be more difficult for those that grow up pretty good, but they're lost. And, and listeners, I just want you to recognize that every one of us are called to this moment of salvation. Uh, like 1 Peter 2.10 says, once you were not a people, now you're the people of God. Once you'd not received mercy, now you have received mercy. And, and, and I just want to ask you to look at your life. Are you trusting in yourself or your, uh, like Carolyn said, a great, like your grandchild, your grandparents were Christian, so you're assuming you're a Christian. And so, so you know, 
I just want you to know Jesus loves you. He wants to save you. He died for you. And so turn to him. Do you have a personal relationship with God? Have you been truly born again? And and I just pray you look at your life. You know, Gary and Carolyn, I want to I'm thankful for your time today. And one of the reasons I want to just speak to you and and have you guys start our season is because of two things. The, the two things that I see in you is, number one, you've answered the call of God, not just to salvation, but to service. Um, and number two, you are persevering and you have persevered through incredible physical challenges. So can we lean into that first part, the call that God has placed on your life? You both grew up in Kansas and Missouri. How in the world did you end up in Hungary? Oh, Emily, we ask ourselves that all the time. <laughs> you know, I'm from Peculiar, Missouri. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid growing up, that was 750 people. What's this kid from a mile outside of Peculiar doing serving here? <laughs> so, um, it's weird it, from a human standpoint. We're average Americans. We're average believers. Grew up in middle America. We grew up in middle homes, you know, or uh, middle income homes. But when you say, yes, I will follow God. He doesn't say, will you follow me if I let you do this? He just says, take up your cross and follow me. And so the our point of salvation really is that first step in answering the call. Mm -hmm. But then the call to the mission field, um, we each receive that individually. So I was in a small church. But I was, I, a lot of people probably don't know what it is anymore, but I was in GAs and ACT teams, which in our church was missions education and missions action. There's even a song that goes with it. But um, are you going to perform it for us? Uh, maybe another time. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so my director told me that I was going to be a missionary. And I was not against that thought, but I really wanted to hear it from God and not just from her. I was always active and in, in doing the activities and learning the things and going and, and doing the the proper things. But I couldn't really see how I, I was not a preacher, you know, how, how could God use me in mission? And so as I learned more, I thought, well, maybe I'll work in a port city with the people that come in off the boats, or maybe I'll be in a big city where internationals come. But I really felt like there was a strong interest in other cultures and other places now, always fascinated with languages. I was always fascinated with people from other places. My first job was in a store and we had international students that would come in and I was just delighted to help them and find out where they were from and try to communicate. And I wanted to learn every language there was. My sister and I would always write down phrases that we found. And I think God was building into me an awareness of the world and the lostness in the world. And I wanted to do something about it. As a little child, I even had dreams of going along on a flatbed trailer and throwing up lunch boxes and Bibles to people because I knew there was a lot of need out there and I just wanted to do whatever God had for me to do. Then when I went to university, went to Southwest Baptist University in Bolivar, Missouri, way across the state line. I never imagined traveling that far. <laughs> <laughs> Little did you and, know. 
Yes. Uh, and there I met a certain guy and we were just friends, you know, but we went on a mission trip to Mexico. And as we served together, I can begin to see why I couldn't really picture before what my part would be because we worked as a team. And I saw that my part in service was beside him. And it began to come together more. And my call was just solidified that, yes, this is what you're supposed to do with your life. I still didn't know exactly what it would look like, but I knew that I was going to be somewhere really different, but with people that had the same needs inside that I did when I was the little girl that felt that darkness inside. There's a Bible verse that comes to my mind as I listen to you, and it's John 10, 10. It says, Jesus said, I've come to you that you might have life and have it to the full. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, following Christ leads us to this adventure, this gospel adventure that is uh, so incredible to experience. And, and I can just hear in both of you this passion of, oh, my goodness, God allows us to serve him. And, and you've answered that call to a, to a interesting country. Tell us about Hungary and just kind of what it's like there. Hungary is a very interesting place. Um, where the country is now, it's right smack dab. It is the heart of Europe. The current country sets in the Carpathian Basin. Uh, we're surrounded all the way around by the Carpathian Mountains. And so it is, uh, you know, cut in half by the Danube River, which was the border of the Roman Empire. Wow. So the place where we live has been strategic throughout human history in Europe. It always has been a strategic location because of just the physical terrain. Um, The people that are now called Hungarians, they call themselves the Magyar, the Magyar people. When they first came into this area, the Romans or the people thought that the Huns had returned or maybe they were the Ungars. Like Attila the Hun, Attila the Hun, right? Yeah. Um, And Attila is actually a common name here. We know a lot of guys named Attila. Wow. That's amazing. They're a, Depending on who you read, they are related people. So uh, as the people came back, they were very fierce warriors. They swept through this area all the way down into what's now the Basque region of uh, Spain. uh, Spain. Mm -hmm. They were clear into France and uh, up in Saxony. So they were very fierce warriors. They were conquering everyone. Everybody was afraid of them. There's a a writer, a Hungarian writer, that says probably the best. He says, to the West, Hungary's an Eastern country. To the East, it's a Western country. But we are neither and both at the same time. They feel like an island in the middle of Europe and everybody else around is different. They have an unrelated language and they just feel like they've been dropped here in the middle of Europe, but we feel like it's for a reason. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting. When I when I was in Budapest with you guys when I met you last October, it was fascinating to discover that uh, Hungarian is one of the hardest languages in the world to learn. Um, is that Tell us about that, just how that's hard to learn. We can vouch for that. <laughs> um, you know, it's hard for especially English speakers because 
you know, English is a simplified language. It's relatively new language on the world stage, where Hungarian is still an ancient language. And so there's a complexity to it that the ancient languages have that English doesn't have. So it kind of changes some of your theology. You realize there really is a purgatory. It's called Hungarian. Yeah, okay, so it's fun. <laughs> Carolyn did not drink coffee until she started the Hungarian. Yes. So then I have to ask. So Gary, we heard Carolyn's story of her personal call to missions, but I'd love to hear from you. What was it like as a couple when God said, okay, you sweet middle American couple that I have put together, I'm going to call you to the center of Europe to learn one of the hardest languages in the world. How did you end up understanding that that was where he was taking you? Oh, that's a long story because we started coming to this area by working with orphanages in Romania. And Romanian is a Latin-based language. It's similar to Spanish or Italian. So <clears throat> it's much easier for an English speaker to learn Romanian. And that's where I wanted to go. But we were looking at um, just a time in our life. Our marriage had just about dissolved in the U.S. We were at a point we had lost focus of the call where we were surviving day to day and it came to the point it's like literally i told carolyn i'd rather live in a cardboard box under a bridge than how we live now we had gotten caught up in the school loans and survival and trying to earn enough and raise our kids and pay the school loans and hospital bills and it was a really tough time we're, we've got to get back on call somehow. We have got to get back to what God called us to do. And it opened the door for short-term mission trips, which opened the door for teaching English in Budapest. The organization we came with, um, they said, we don't have any places in Romania, but we have places in Hungary. And in Budapest is a really good place for family. And um, that's how, how, how old were your kids at this time? Our daughter was going into eighth grade and our son into ninth. Wow. So they were in public school in the U.S. And then we had to start homeschooling at high school. And they were gifted and talented and all this. So I was, went from working in an office to suddenly being responsible for teaching these very bright children. It was interesting. And then in a foreign country. Wow. Yes. And you were learning Hungarian. That first year, we I was an English teacher, so we learned just phrases. After that year, God did send us to Romania for two years, which uh, was another thing. It just continued to just solidify the call of in our lives as a couple. And then they when we went from short-term, you know, two-year assignment looking career. With the International Mission Board. Yeah, with the IMB. They um, they talked to us about the greatest needs. I asked, where's the greatest need? And at that time, number one was Slovakia. Number two was Eastern Hungary. And I'm like, I don't want to go back to Hungary. I lived there once. He wants to do something new. <laughs> I still haven't decided if I want to live here very long. 
you know. You've been there, what, how many years have y'all been there? <laughs> how many years have y'all been there? We came as career missionaries, we came in 2002. Our first year was 1998 and 99 school year when he was teaching English in Budapest, not with the IMB, but then the two years in Romania was with the IMB. That's when we began that. Yeah. Our kids were the wrong age to begin with, right. with the IMB. So we came otherwise. <laughs> Listeners, have you answered the call of God? Maybe you're sitting here thinking and hearing Gary and Carolyn answer the call of God with older kids. It, it tells me that it's not too late to answer God's call. Hmm. So that's something to, I just ask you to evaluate. Think about in your life, have you answered the call of God? You know, um, I, I want to just uh, ask you a question. And, and because you answered the call of God, but you've also faced some physical difficulties. But and no, yet you're still saying yes. Yeah, you're still saying yes. Would you tell us a little bit about your, those physical difficulties and then how you continue to trust the Lord through it? Oh, it was a time of decision before we came overseas. Uh, Carolyn told me I need to, I probably ought to share this. <laughs> In December 1997, I was sitting at my desk uh, in Longview, Texas, and I had two applications in my hand. One of them was an application to serve overseas as an English teacher, and the other was an application for full-time disability. So we <laughs> came to the field with a long list of physical problems um, that we were already looking at the possibility of full-time disability in the U.S. before we ever came the first time. That is amazing. To be at the point where you're filling out a form for full-time disability or full-time missionary service, and you chose missionary service. Keep talking yeah, about Want to guess which one I threw in the trash? <laughs> I, I, I'm guessing it's the disability. So... How did you come to that conclusion? And then how has God walked you through that to help you persevere? Oh, uh, we cannot overemphasize the importance of prayer. Mm. I mean, just praying, 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 keep taking it before God. Even if you're not hearing his answer and, and you're, or you're not getting the answer you want, or you think God's not listening, just keep praying. Uh, another thing is, God gave me a medical doctor in the States who happened to be an independent Baptist. He was a great advice. I asked him and he said, what I'm going to tell you, he said, don't ever stop. He said, if you ever sit down, you won't get back up. And so it was advice of a doctor that said, yeah, you can do it. He's the same one that gave me the application for disability, by the way. He said, you have a choice to make. Wow. But like, he like, was encouraging. There's so much wisdom in that right there. Because sometimes we face physical difficulties and we just want to sit down. And we want to quit. And, and that wisdom right there to, from that doctor. To push through. To push through and to say, keep moving. 
And, and sometimes the best thing we can do is to keep going. And you just, you just modeled that. It's incredible. So what has that looked like for you and for Carolyn in the last 21 years as you have served, if I did my math right, 21 years, as you have served in Hungary? You know, 1997, we hadn't hit the tip of the iceberg yet. <laughs> it's that whole thing of don't stop. Well, I guess what, three times. Well, twice we had uh, getting ready to go on vacation, but Carolyn had to stop by a doctor. We were had a doctor appointment. And they said, we got to do further tests right away. Uh, a third vacation, we were actually on vacation and she ended up having knee surgery. That's a great so, vacation. Uh, yeah, we don't recommend it, by the way. <laughs> In 2013, we signed a contract for a house at the same time when I had had a vertebrae in my back slip. Uh, I physically moved and was pinching off the, the spinal cord to where I could hardly walk. And we were praying. We had one neurologist saying it can't be operated on. The other didn't know. And we just felt like God, what God didn't say, go home. If he hasn't said quit, you keep doing what he's told you to do. You go ahead and sign that rental contract on the house, even though he can't really walk. We signed a rental contract um, on a house with a guaranteed two-year minimum to the landlord. So you had and, to stay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we had to stay. We had a contract. But fortunately, God gave us a doctor here that he looked at the test and he said, I disagree with your doctor in Debertson. You need surgery now. And he said, if we don't take care of it right away, then you're going to have permanent damage. But if we can get surgery now, we, we, uh, it'll be okay. And uh, so we just got scheduled for the surgery. Turned out this guy is a specialist. He actually teaches other people in the U.S. how to do the surgery. And the type of surgery I needed was the only type of surgery he did anymore wow so god provided a specialist in budapest in budapest to do the exact surgery i needed it was physically painful we have a photograph of me laying down i was also in a phd program i'm laying on the bed with my computer turned up on its side and i'm typing Golly. so um you just don't stop you get up um at that time, I could not sit down. I laid down or had to stand up. So you just do what you do every day. You just don't stop. So I have a question. I think sometimes we can simplify the voice of God to our circumstances. And we can say, oh, well, my circumstances look like this. So this must be what God is telling me. It's a closed door or an open door. How have you faced these challenges and the suffering while actually pursuing the voice of God to know to keep going, even though your circumstances made it look like doors were closing or things were more challenging? Well, we have learned that some kinds of suffering could happen in the U.S. or they can happen here. And so we might as well be here serving because God didn't tell us to go home. Yeah. And we have to acknowledge sometimes that um, he calls us to 
to a path of suffering. He suffered for us and we should be willing to suffer also. And he is worthy of our suffering. Amen. And we don't want to give up. Um, people talk about resilience. But many times we have wanted, we have begged God to please just release us and let us go be with, with the kids, with the grandkids, with our brothers and sisters, with our parents in their final days. But we cannot give up and flee from God's call. In John 6, Peter says, Lord, to whom would I go? If we try to flee, we always need to come back to him or there's not really life. Yeah. And so we'd be running away from our life, for, from the only joy we're going to have really in this world because it's found in him. And so if we go away from that, we realize that our marriage won't be strong. The time with the kids would not be good anyway. We need to be here doing what he calls us to do until he says, okay, now it's time to go. We don't deny the emotions because they are real, but we don't focus on them either. We have to acknowledge them and then refocus on what he's asking me to do in this moment today, step by step. What do I have to do today? You, you know, I, I'm hearing a couple of things, three, several things that I'm just just trying to soak in today for, and I'm so thankful to start off our season two with you because you're, you're teaching us something very important. I heard, learn to pray. Dear listener, uh, I mean, Luke 11, 1, Jesus' disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, you know, because they saw in the life of Jesus, the power of prayer and, and, and learning to pray more than just like, Lord, thank you for this food. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I, when I listen to you today, it's, it's this surrendering your will to God's will, Lord, I'm going to follow you and finding real life there. Yeah. This adventure of following Christ and, and, and you know, God's plan for your life is the best plan. N- number three, I heard from you, uh, look to the people God provides. There's people around you. That, that there's a doctor that, you know, was there. That there's there's uh, people encouraging you. And and then fourth thing, I've just heard you say, God, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to persevere. I'm going to persevere and trust you. In the, midst of the, in the midst of the difficulty, one of the things that I want to combat is this idea of suffering. We need a better view of suffering. Because we th- there's, a, there's a teaching in all over the world that if you follow Jesus, you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. But God often um, takes us through trials, and it's through those trials that he becomes the most real. How has God, in the midst of your trials, become real to you and grown your confidence in him? Tell us that. Well, for one thing, he we have been able to see him really use our suffering because the people here have greatly suffered through the years, both as a people and as individuals, and they're still suffering. And when they see us come in with the big American smile, we tend to smile way too much. Um, they have trouble really accepting us and listening to us. But when they begin to hear, it's not that we want to tell everybody all the sad stories of our life, but as it begins to come out, um, some of the situations that we are in because of health, um, sitting by my father's bedside as he died of cancer, things like this, people listen in a different way. They begin to tell us their stories and they begin to trust us to really care 
not just to put on a false face of happiness and joy, but that we can have a joy that, that transcends good times and fun and the American dream kind of things that they're picturing, the Disneyland life, um, that joy goes so much deeper than that. And the adventure of life with God is amazing. Sometimes I think I am that little girl from the small town in Kansas. What am I doing walking over these cobblestone streets where so much history happened? And, and I'm just amazed that God brings us through these things and, and uses us. And we have heard testimony of something that we didn't even realize meant something to someone else. And they have told us even years later what it meant to them and what it, how it helped draw them to the Lord. And so when you see God working through and using the difficult times, then you see the purpose in it. There was, when we first came, people really didn't take us serious, and they, they we would share Christ, and they, they acted, yeah, okay. Um, there was a two-year period where Carolyn had seven hospital admissions in two years. Uh, Frequent flyers, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did the nurses all know you by name? <laughs> yeah, literally they did. Uh, we actually got to know their kids' names, <laughs> so, but that's when people started saying, this is real, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Or how do you do it? And that is, God used those really difficult times to be the bridge to hurting people. Yeah. And there's something else that we, in the Western culture, we fail to understand God's sustaining grace mm -hmm. can only be experienced through suffering and hardship if, if we don't need a god that sustains us through difficulty then we will never understand that whole aspect of god and suddenly the suffering becomes the blessing because you've learned something about the sustaining grace of god through that suffering that you don't get any other way and so the the suffering and the pain actually becomes the blessing. That you know, is such good wisdom. It's just humility because we realize we can't do all the things that we thought we would be able to do. <laughs> and we, we don't have the strength to do it in ourselves. And when you reach the end of your rope, you know, some people say, you know, God won't give you anything that you can't handle. Well, we found he gives us things that we can't handle, so we cling to him. That's it. He's always giving us stuff we can't handle because it makes us trust him to do it. That is such a piece of wisdom right there because that's a, uh, you're exactly right. God often gives us things we can't handle. But he sustains us. Yeah. I am so thankful for you. I just am thankful for your time and your vulnerability and your willingness to share your life with us. And, um, mm -hmm. and, you know, I know that you don't see yourselves as giants of the faith, but, but our listeners need to rub shoulders with you. I need to see your example of serving in faithfulness. And, and I want to thank you for the way you've answered God's call. I also want to thank you for the way that you've persevered this season in season two, we're going to have some, we're having a couple of famous people on our podcast. We're going to have a U.S. Senator, a, a best-selling author. But I wanted to start with you because, you know, the Bible 
talks about heaven as a real place that we're going to see one another. You're going to be a, one of those couples that live in that gated neighborhood and the world's going to go, who are those guys? And our world needed to rub shoulders with you today. I'm thankful for you and I'm thankful for the way that you've taught me. You've meant, you continue to mentor uh, me and us by, by your example. And I'm so grateful for the, that our listeners can know you. So thank you so very much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure, and we thank you for the opportunity to share. God is good. It's not all these tears. It's, there's also joy and lots of laughter, lots of laughter in our house. Yes. And and we want to thank you to everyone who is praying for the missionaries and who is supporting the missionaries. We can feel many times somebody is praying for us today, and we can tell. And we really appreciate and just yeah. want to say thank you to everyone so much. And I want you to know our church is faithful to pray for our missionaries in Europe specifically and you and I have my Budapest coffee mug and uh, I don't use it every morning but at least once a week I am praying for you by name. Is that a Starbucks cup? Yes it is. it's uh it's the you are here because we visited there. And, this is uh, Amsterdam. Amsterdam and so this is just a collector's item that we're getting to to remind ourselves to pray for specific people. We'll we'll try to see if they have one here. There's a couple Starbucks in Debertson now. Mm -hmm. And so we'll try to bring you one when we're home in the state. Oh my goodness, I would love it. I'll drink coffee from it. Well, but, since uh, we're advertising for Starbucks for free, we yeah. want to take a moment and just thank our sponsors who have made our podcast possible. Yeah, we have Water's Edge and uh, we got our little Water's Edge coasters here on the on the table and uh, but Water's Edge is a financial arm of Oklahoma Baptist, and uh, and they they uh, give you an opportunity to invest and 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 uh, and invest in kingdom causes. And I'm grateful for the way they're helping churches and individuals uh, take care of their money and invest in kingdom work. We also are sponsored by Stevens Trucking. They build wreckers. Tell you what, they do a great work, and I'm thankful for the way they are they are helping people that come into accidents and, and you know our podcast we were founded in a car wreck uh, in a car wreck the, uh, justin sullivan who's the catalyst for us starting the ambassador baseball ministry which is now our time with giants podcast and um, we have benefited from those men and women who uh, come into crisis uh, and they've helped us in crisis. So I'm grateful for Stevens Trucking. Hey, we are grateful for your time. You know, in our podcast, we always want to have hope, the hope of Christ, and rub shoulders with these giants of the faith that give us hope. You know, I always have coffee because I think coffee is uh, that's something I need every morning. And it's your timer for when we've gone it's, too long. Yeah, so my when my coffee's cold, it's time to stop. And uh, And then we also have Melody. But our son, Eric, uh, writes an original song for every episode. And I want you to just uh, take a moment to listen to Eric Wall because you need hope, you need coffee, and you need some melody. Because when times are tough, uh, God has given us the gift of music. And with that, Gary and Carolyn, we are so thankful for your time. Uh, listeners, thank you for joining us. Enjoy this song by Eric Wall. Thank you.
Thank you for joining us today. Remember, following Jesus does not keep us from tough times, but he is faithful to walk with us through them all. You can trust God even when it's hard to see his hand or hear his voice. 
As always, our prayer is Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may overflow with hope. Help us out by subscribing to our podcast and sharing it with others. To be a monthly supporter, click on the link in the show notes or go to our website at aliveforthfollowing.org. See you next time on Time with Giants.